Welcome to the Community of Faith podcast, where you will hear the exposition of God's Word taught by Rev. Patrick Parham, pastor of Faith Community Fellowship in Bristol, Tennessee. If you are in the Bristol area and would like to visit, please join us for Sunday morning worship beginning at 10 a.m. If you're not able to join us in person, join us online. Visit our website, faith-cf.org. That's faith-cf.org. Or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash faithcommunityfellowshipbristol. That's all one word, Faith Community Fellowship Bristol. Here at Faith Community Fellowship, our goal is to ensure that what we do is edifying to our Heavenly Father, and we hope that this podcast is a blessing to you. Let's join Pastor Pat as he brings us God's Word. We're going over to the first chapter of 1 Peter again this morning. We'll begin our reading at verse 13 today. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your sojourning here in fear knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through Him believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Let's pray. Lord, what wonderful verses these are. And what a joy it is to stand before your people. But I also acknowledge that I am a sinner also. And ask that you would work in my life as well as in the lives of the people gathered here to hear your word. Draw us all closer to you. And during the next little while, cause our minds to be focused upon the reason we have gathered here. And that is to learn from the scriptures how we might be better servants of yours to to worship you in the beauty of your holiness, to grow in grace, to encourage one another in our walk of faith and to bring glory to God. So help us, we pray in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Now by way of review, you remember that Peter in this epistle is writing to dispersed people who are suffering and he knows they're going to be suffering more, just like he is. So he points them to our great salvation beginning in verse 2, with eternal circumstances. External circumstances, which you talked about in verse 1, may not always be like we would like, but we have a living hope, verses 3 through 5. And that living hope is because of, or through, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Then he speaks, 
as we have the last, well, not last week, but a couple of times before, about help for present trials in, that we face. Help in the present, in other words. Sometimes, and if God deems it necessary, that we might be subjected to various trials for a while. It happens in the lives of Christians. and But these are simply to test the genuineness of our faith. Another way of looking at that is it causes us to run to Christ for help. It causes us to go to the one we love, even though, as Peter talks about, we haven't physically seen Him. We might not understand His providence, but we recognize He is the Savior and lover of our souls, and so we want to be close to Him. And then in verses 10 through 12, which we spoke of a couple of weeks ago, He warns us to have an appreciation of our position. That is our position in the economy of God. Our position in time. We are New Testament Christians. And as such, we enjoy knowledge that even Old Testament prophets didn't have. We enjoy knowledge and things have been revealed to us that even angels desire to look into. So He has laid the foundation of His teaching now. And now he wants to apply that doctrine or teaching in our individual lives. That's, that's the way the epistles are. Uh, they lay teaching and then they apply things. They tell us what we are to believe and then they tell us what we are to do with what we believe. And in this portion, we begin to think about the great salvation that we have in Christ, not in terms of future, present, and past, but in terms of internal work in us. What does it do in our lives? Well, first it's going to change our thought processes. It's going to change the way that we think. That's in verse 13. It's going to change the way that we act. Because we all know that how we think determines what we do. And the more we understand about God about who God is and what He is doing not only in our lives, but the entirety of history is going to begin to change our attitudes as well in the latter part of the message of verses 17 through 21. Now that concept there, that phrase it has in verse 13, therefore, based upon what I've been saying, gird up the loins of your mind. We don't talk that way much anymore. But to Peter's readers, that would have made perfect sense. Because they dressed in robes. And they were long flowing robes. And if they wanted to get involved in serious work, or if they wanted to run, whatever, those robes, that long flowing robe is going to get in the way. So they kind of pick it up and tuck it down into their belt and they would gird that thing up. Get it out of the way. So they could accomplish whatever it was that they wanted to do. And that is what he is saying here, that metaphor that he is using in terms of our minds. He says, I want you to gird up all those explanatory thoughts, thoughts out there. All that extra stuff. All those things we've been talking about in the last few weeks about why is God doing this? Or why didn't he do this? Or, or all that kind of stuff. Just, just gird all that up. Put it away. Put it aside. Set it aside so that we can think in a different way. Gather them up and then be sober. Be self-controlled. And we all like to be told, why don't you have a little more self-control? But that's what we need. Many times physically and spiritually certainly as well. He's saying be sober. 
be established and calm. That's why he's been talking about the great position that we have in Christ. Whether you're talking about the future or you're talking about the present or you're talking about the past, the great position we have in Christ should calm our minds even though the external circumstances might not be what we want in any particular given day. Our position in Christ is always the same. So he said just be sober and calm down and be self-controlled and then rest our hope fully upon the grace. Upon the grace that will be revealed when Jesus comes back. You see, the Scriptures talk about we are saved by grace through faith. I've been reading the Bible for 50 years. As a Christian, a little bit less than that. But I read it even before I was a Christian. But I've never seen in the Bible anywhere where it says we're saved by grace plus anything. It just isn't there. He said, rest your hope fully, 100% upon grace. Now what can we do to merit grace? Nothing. If we merit it, it's payment. It's not grace. So we're resting our hope fully upon the grace, and we know it is of God, and we realize that it's going to come to full fruition that it will be revealed in its totality when Jesus comes back again. When He is revealed, the Scripture says in 1 John chapter 3, we shall see Him as He is and we shall be like Him. 1 John 3 and verse 2. He says, rest your hope there. That ought to help us to calm down a little bit. It ought to help us to get those rambling thoughts brought back in and controlled in our minds. Rest completely in the knowledge that when Jesus is revealed to the world, His grace, His favor is upon us. You see that phrase right there? The grace that is to be brought to mankind in general. Is that what yours says? Mine says you. Individual. Brought to you. At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Rest our hope there. Control our actions. Gird up those extraneous thoughts. And as a result, as obedient children, live a different way. Now these things don't happen automatically. We have to work at it. And we work at it through study of the Word. I remember my first pastor, there was a particular lady that I don't know. I just, I couldn't tell you how many times she told me, I just don't know much about the Word of God. There's just no reason to ask me questions about the Word of God. I finally just said, uh, I said, well, how much time do you spend reading the Word of God? Well, she didn't. Well, you never will know anything about the Word of God if you don't read it. We have to study the Word of God. We must desire that pure milk of the words he's going to talk about over there in chapter 2, that we may grow thereby. And we must have prayer for dependence upon God to accomplish what he says there in verse 13. We must strive to keep our thoughts collected because Satan's going to fight us on that. He's going to try to get us distracted. Take control of these things and remember the absolute fact that in Christ our sins are forgiven no matter what circumstances may be, and rest fully upon God's grace. 
And so it changes the way that we think when we get a hold of what God is saying here in the first 12 verses of 1 Peter chapter 1. And then it changes our actions. As I mentioned earlier, uh, we will do what we think. I don't know very much about computers, and Stacey won't argue with that. I don't know very much about them. But I do remember an old acronym, I don't know if they still use it or not, called GEICO. That just simply means if you garbage in, it's going to be garbage out. Whatever you're going to put in that computer, it's going to spit it back out. That works in us too. If we put garbage in our minds, guess how it's going to come out when we begin to talk and when we begin to act? It's going to be the same garbage that's in there. But if we put godly thoughts in our minds, if we gird up the loins of our minds, if we are self-controlled, if we concentrate on the means of grace, then that garbage will be pushed aside and it will change our actions. You see, become obedient, just like a child should be uh, to their parents. Now, let's look at the negative side of that a moment. Uh, negatively, our actions change, as he says here in first, verse 14, as we stop conforming ourselves to a former way of living. The former lust is in your ignorance. So that doesn't mean just a sexual sin. It could be involved in that, sure. But if we want anything so much that it gets in the way of our walk with God, then we are lusting after that. Be it an automobile, be it money, be it a position at work, doesn't matter what it is. He said, don't live that way because when you did that, you were just living in ignorance of the Word of God. Don't do that anymore. He said, you were in ignorance. You had a, a blind uh, view of the things of God. And let me just suggest one thing. There might be more than one, but let me just suggest something. If we're going to not conform ourselves to the former lust, would it be helpful to us if we got some heroes that lived in accordance to that verse? That they also believe what that verse is saying. Now, I'm not going to condemn any individual, but... Doesn't it ever get tiresome that most people's heroes are some great sports star or maybe a, a musician or uh, a Hollywood actor or actress or whatever? I mean, when's the last time that you or I ever heard of a Christian young person seriously looking at a godly Christian missionary and saying, I want to emulate them. I want to be like them. Or well, when's the last time you heard somebody say, I just want to be like my godly parents? We need some good guidelines and some good guidance from godly people. That's a negative. Don't conform yourselves to the former lust, but the positive side is in verse 15 and 16. Two reasons to be holy. We talk about that a lot and I talk about it in Joy Club as well. Holy is being set apart to God and set apart from sin. Being sanctified. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. And that little word always causes me problems. All my conduct. I, I can do pretty good on Sunday morning. But what about Monday morning? Or Friday afternoon? Be holy in all your conduct. 
Now that comes out of the Old Testament. Peter is just simply referring back to Leviticus 19.2. But the teaching is throughout Scriptures. We've been talking about Moses in the time with the children. When Moses went over and looked at that bush that was burning but wasn't burnt, what did God say to him? Take off your shoes or you're standing on holy ground. God is holy. And if we're going to have fellowship with Him, we can't let sin defile our homes or our business or any other aspect of life. In Psalm 15 and 1 and 2, it says, Lord, who may abide in Your tabernacle? Who may dwell in Your holy hill? He who walks uprightly, works righteousness, speaks the truth in his heart. And then the second reason to be holy is not only because God is, but because the Word of God tells us to. Verse 16, it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. The Word of God is the sanctifying agency, the sanctifying agent through which holiness flows into the lives of Christian believers. Sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. Your Word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That is the sanctifying cleansing agent that removes all these other things. So we are to be holy because God is and because He tells us to be in His Word. You see, when we truly seek to have our minds renewed, truly seek to get away from being conformed to those former lusts, then our actions begin to fall in line. They begin to change. Salvation changes not only our thought patterns, but our thought patterns control our actions, and so it changes those too. Then there's another point I want to bring out. Another point, and that is salvation changes our attitudes. In verse 17, it says, if you're going to talk to the Father, if you're going to call to Him, going to call to Him in prayer, remember who we're talking to. He is the one who without partiality judges according to each one's work. When I was growing up, and I suspect it's the same in the children's homes here today, when I was growing up, I looked to my dad to supply the needs of the household, and in particular, my needs. But in response, he expected me to do what I was told. And if I got out of line, not saying I ever did, but if I got out of line, there wasn't any point in me coming to dad and asking for a special favor? The answer was no. Every time. Consistency. And he's saying, if you're going to call on the Father, and you expect to have a good relationship with Him, and you want to be able to receive the good things of grace from Him, then the prerequisite is conduct yourselves throughout the time of your sojourning here in fear. Throughout the entire time that we're in this world, live in a reverential awe of God. Recognize who He is. Recognize that He doesn't have favorites. David is written, it's written about David, he was a man after God's own heart, but when David sinned, He suffered, didn't he? He lost fellowship. He lost control of his family. Was he still a man after God's own heart? Yes. But he suffered. And so, God is not a respecter of persons. 
He said, now, that's the first reason that I want your attitude to be changed. It's understand somewhat of the character of the holiness of God. We emphasize God's love all the time, and we should. He is a God of love, but that's not His only attribute. That's not 100% the composite makeup of God the Father. He's also a God of holiness, and we have to have some reverential fear of Him. And the second reason that we ought to have our attitude changed is remember what it cost the Father to have us redeemed to start with. Verse 18, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, Silver and gold, for example. So you can't buy salvation. Nothing in this world will save us. It costs the Father the precious blood of Christ. You see, you're not bought back from that aimless conduct, that, that conduct that we used to live in, that conduct that we see people living in all the time, that just, just leaves eternity out of the equation. Doesn't even bring it into the thinking. They just live in terms of this world. But no, we were redeemed, bought back from that, with the precious blood of Christ. The precious blood of Christ. And that blood was shed by one who was as he was a lamb without blemish and without spot. And we talk about that quite often. Jesus had to be perfect because God's wrath against sin had to be satisfied and the lamb that satisfied it had to be without blemish. That's taught in typology in the Old Testament, but it's taught in reality through the life of our Lord in the New Testament that we are saved by the precious blood of Christ and He was as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. When you go over to Revelation 5 and it talks about uh, the lion of the tribe of Judah having the ability to unlock the, the, the locks on that scroll, and He steps over and takes the, whole, the scroll from the hand of the Father, you don't see a lion you see a lamb. And that lamb is if he had been slain. Because he had. And that's what it costs. And so, we need to have our attitudes changed because of the holiness of God. We need to have our attitudes changed because of the price God paid and Christ gave for our salvation. And then we need to have our attitudes changed because of the presentation of salvation to each one of us as individuals. As individuals. He in, but with the precious blood of Christ, and in verse 20, He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but manifested in these last times for you. In that verse, you've got the power of God that Christ was foreordained to purchase our salvation, but you also have the concept that salvation is personal that we would be the ones that would be made manifest to. God preordained, foreordained, that Christ was going to die. And He also predetermined, or if you aren't afraid of the word, He predestined that the ones that were going to be saved would be shown what had happened. It would be made manifest to them. Personally. Just think with me for a moment. Think of all the multitudes throughout time and even now. Multitudes of people that are born, live their entire life, and die 
and never even hear the name of Jesus. Not once. What made us different? Thoughts like this verse. Manifest in these last times for you and the reason that the gospel work of Christ, the reason that God the Father was willing to sacrifice God the Son, the reason those things were made known to us was that through Him we would believe in God. Verse 21. Through Him we would believe in God. That's the purpose for which the gospel exists. The purpose for which the gospel is preached. That people who hear it can respond in faith and be saved. You remember Gabriel told Joseph, Jesus is coming into the world to save sinners. And Jesus Himself said, I came into this world to seek and to save that which was lost. And we believe because the gospel has been shown to us, it's been manifest, and we begin to understand through the working of the Holy Spirit what was involved in the, tri- in the Trinity in order for us to get to that point for the gospel to be a reality. Who through Him believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory. Who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory. That's God's power. God's power. And we know that He is the first fruits of the resurrection, of the resurrection. And through Him, we will be raised also if we believe in Him. So, back to that salvation by grace alone. Don't ever let us be guilty of putting our faith, our trust in anything other than God. Don't put it in works. Don't put it in people. Put our faith in God and Him alone. Salvation changes our attitude. Because God is not a respecter of persons. There's no room for pride there. When the Scripture says, it is appointed unto men to die, and after that the judgment, it is appointed not only to men in general, it's appointed for Pat too. And for all the rest of us. He's not a respecter of persons. And then, remember what it cost for us, for us to be saved. And think about it this way. When theologians talk about the life of Christ, they talk about active and passive obedience of Christ. What do they mean by that? The active obedience is that lamb without blemish. It is the fact that Jesus was born, He lived 33 and a half years, and He died and never once sinned. He's without blemish. And that was actively obeying the law. But then when He submitted to the Father's plans, we were studying about in Sunday school, and He hung on the cross and died, even though He didn't owe that penalty, that was passive obedience. He was passively submitting to the will of the Father. And we're saved through these things. Only one whose blood is precious in the sight of the Father could save us. And it says the blood of Christ is precious. Well, let's go to our conclusion. Let's get down to the conclusion of the sermon, which is really just going to be a recapping of what we've been talking about. Salvation changes our thought processes. Back in verse 13. And I mentioned that's not automatic. It takes work, but we don't have to do it on our own. The Spirit works in us. We don't even know how to pray, but the Spirit changes our prayers and makes them acceptable to the Father. 
We don't know how to have fellowship with God, but the Spirit is our fellowship. We don't know how to understand the Scriptures, but the Spirit is the Spirit of enlightenment that opens our eyes of understanding. And so He helps us as we strive to be sober, as we strive to gird up the loins of our mind, and as we look forward to the return of our Lord. And then it changes our actions as we try to get away from the way that we used to live and the way people in the world who are unbelievers live. Now, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying they're just horrendous people. Don't ever talk to them. That's not what I'm saying at all. They are just living life in this world. That's all. He said, don't do that. Rather, follow after God. Conform and imitate Him as we learn from Him. And then as you tie all these thoughts together in verse 15 and 16, you can think of Hebrews 12 and 14. Pursue peace with all men in holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Or in this passage we're just reading this morning, verse 15 and 16, But as He who calls you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And I know that all of us sitting here today, or myself standing here, are fully aware of the fact that we cannot do that in and of ourselves. We just can't do it. God works through us, and He works in us, and He empowers us, and He enables us so that we can be representatives of Christ in this world and live truly as Christians, which means little Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for these verses and the teaching contained there. Thank You for Your precious blood that is the means and payment for our salvation. And thank You for making it manifest, uh, showing to us as individuals our need of You, opening our minds and opening our hearts and allowing us to be regenerated and place our faith in You and repent of our sins. Help us as we live day by day to not only enjoy these wonderful blessings ourselves, but to share them with others that You bring into our pathway day by day. Help us to strive to be holy, to live for You, to understand that as You are a God of love, You also are a God of holiness and as You are a God of mercy, You also are a God of justice. Help us to live more closely to You, we ask in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Pat, for another wonderful message from God's Word. I hope that you have enjoyed listening to Pastor Pat's message. If this has been a blessing to you, please like and follow this podcast and give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. If you would like to support this ministry and the other ministry opportunities at Faith Community Fellowship, please visit our website, faith-cf.org support. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Community of Faith.